Welcome to the Pastor's Porch, a place where pastors encourage one another, speak freely about the Word of God, and engage in real communal relationships with the body of Christ. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Pastor's Porch. So excited to um, speak to you today on some things that uh, Pastor Zach and I have been talking about, discussing about, and just something that is important um, for us to discuss today and is important for a, a Christ follower. And so today we are going to discuss why you need the church, why it is important to um, be in the church, uh, to be around people within the church, to be um, in, influenced by people in the church. Um, and I want to make it clear that we're not necessarily talking about a building, okay? Um, and yes, we are going to discuss the importance of being in services, but we're more talking about being around and involved with people who have a heart uh, of Christ and a heart to, to serve Christ and to be in relationship with Him. Mm. You know, I, I, I think this conversation was sparked out of something that we hear all the time. And, and I don't know how it sounds to you, but to me, I, I get told this often, um, you know, because people, it'll come up, what do you do for a living? What do you do? What do you do? You know, and these conversations come up and, oh, I pastor such and such. I pastor Unity. And, okay, well, where do you go to church? Oh, I don't, right? Um, okay, cool. That's your business. But when we start that conversation, I have heard so many people make the comment, well, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian, right? Well, okay, it does not make you saved to go to church. We would all agree with that statement. Like, you're not Correct. saved because you're in a building, or you're not saved because you sit on someone's couch. You're not saved because of any of that. And I think anybody that's got any Bible knowledge knows that. However, everyone I know who's truly born again wants those relationships in their life. Absolutely. They want their relationship with Jesus to grow. They want their relationship with the body of Christ. And so I think the conversation is not so much, you know, what building do you go to or uh, what does it look like? It's it's priority, right? The, the conversation is, is different about, well, why do you need the church? And if you ask the question of why do you need the church, then we would go back to what was the church established on? And whether you go to Matthew chapter 16 or whether you go to... Uh, the profession of faith there of Peter, or whether you go over to in the book of Acts. And when we start talking about why do you need the church? Well, what did the church build out of? The church built out of the Great Commission. The church built out of the reality that, that Jesus made a promise, right? Yeah. Jesus made a promise. He said, you're going to go into the world. You're going to preach this message. He said, I'll be with you. I promise when I leave, I will send my comforter, right? And so the Holy Spirit came and Peter preached boldly and thousands of people were converted. And what happened after that? Community happened. Yeah. Life happened. Fellowship, prayer, study, learning of Jesus happened. Well, how do you do those things if you don't have a body to gather with, you know? Tell me what you said earlier in the office, because I like that one. 
Tell me what you said earlier, because I want you to go into some detail about that. Yeah, so just prefacing, um, you know, we we hear the the term "I'm a Christian" mm-hmm. a lot, mm-hmm. and then in those conversations, you've had several conversations with people. I've had several conversations with people that are not a part of anybody, but yet profess mm-hmm. to be a Christ follower, and so. Um, man, there's so many things that I have. I have more questions than I do answers there is because if you're going to say that you're a Christian, a Christ follower, then you need to be in community some fashion or another. Yeah. We understand that there are some people who cannot physically make it to a church building. Right. Okay. Understandable. Um, there are some people who, who enjoy meeting in an IHOP at 630 in the morning with 10 fellow Christians to, to commune and talk about Christ. Man, if you're having church, if you're declaring Jesus in that place, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Yeah. Okay, um, But what, what I said earlier, and just, just the thought that I have with this is, um, obviously I'm married. Obviously I love my wife. But if I chose to live in a separate house than my wife mm-hmm. and chose to never be around her, Mm-hmm. Just take it for six months, okay? Mm-hmm. Just think about it for six months. If I lived in a separate house, never ate dinner with her, never ate lunch with her, never went to events with her, never put myself around her, but I'm like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I love my wife and I'm married to her. Yeah. How would people react to that? Mm-hmm. How would people mm-hmm. think about that? And here's the reality is if if I moved away from my wife for six months, and told people I was still married and told people I was um, in a happy relationship and I loved her, people would start to question some things, right? It's just the reality because I am not communing with her. I am not in, in, I am not in really in relationship with her. If I'm not being around her, if I'm not investing my time in with her, if I am not growing with her, but yet we use that same example in the body of Christ by saying, oh yeah, we're a Christian, but yet we don't invest our time. We don't, we don't read our word. We don't commune with others. We don't have unity uh, with each other. And here's the reality. Like I use my marriage as an example, um, because the Bible is pretty clear that the, the church is the bride of Christ. Right. Very clear on that. And so for us to say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I am not involved in anything Christ-like. It is just that example by saying you are married, but you're living in separate houses, living separate lives, and never having relationship with one another. It's, it, it's not going to last. And so it's, the importance of this conversation today is, is just to show that when you have a relationship with Jesus, you become the bride of Christ as mm-hmm. the church Mm-hmm. And to fully walk out that marriage, you have to invest time. You have to spend time together. And so it's it's truly important for for growth and for relationship. You know, I tell people all the time, um, when COVID was bad for a lot of people, COVID was one of the best things that happened for my wife and I. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we, our, our entire dating, mm-hmm. our entire engagement and everything was away from each other. Mm-hmm. I was in college in in Oklahoma and living in Oklahoma. She was living in Arkansas, working in Arkansas, but going to college in Missouri. Mm-hmm. 
Right. And so it we were never really together. Well, COVID hit. And that's all we had to be was together. And it was one of the most beautiful things for our relationship because we were able to spend time with one another. Well, that's the same way it is to be in our relationship with Jesus. And as a Christ follower is that we need to spend time so so that um, the relationship of the Lord teaching us things and us learning things about the Lord can be established. Well, let's go backwards and go forwards because, uh, yes, it's all true. It's all good. But think about this. On the simplest terms, if you said you moved into a separate house from your wife and uh, you didn't commune with her, you didn't eat with her, you didn't have any time with her. Um, I was just thinking the whole time you were talking about that. I was just thinking that who would you confuse, right? Because in your mind, you are still married, okay? Yeah. But who would you really would confuse is the people around you. That's the truth. And so you would confuse your neighbor, right? In mm, the context of art, in the context of of how we live and our subdivisions and our cities and our, you know, the areas that we live, you would confuse so good. your neighbor. Yeah. Well, if you claim to be devoted to Jesus, yet you have no time for Jesus. Not only have you neglected your worship, I mean, the, the Bible's clear, don't forsake. I mean, here in Hebrews 10, it's, it's for clear, uh, for, for very clear for us to see that we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves, as some do, but we should exhort one another, right? Well, if, if you're not um, gathering in that devotion and that communion and everything that you talked about, you have now created confusion in your neighbor. Because your neighbor was seeing you gather, your neighbor was seeing you together, your neighbor was seeing you play in the front yard or yard work together, or your neighbor was exchanging pleasantries with you and all of these things, and then all of a sudden your neighbor just doesn't see you anymore together. And the neighbor says, I wonder what happened to T and Courtney. I wonder what what you know what happened to this. And I think I think what we forget is that sometimes our actions and because it's not religion, right? It's it's Correct. I'm not making this a religious thing. However, we'll get into the second half of this conversation. How could you ever encourage, exhort? How could you ever um, equip? How could you ever become equipped? How could you ever learn to pray and carry one another's burdens? And I'm just afraid that we have uh, turned our culture into this. You can get out of God what you want on YouTube and on social media or on these podcasts. And that's, that's my church. But that was never intended. No. You know, that wasn't the intent of it. Like, praise God if you can listen to somebody somewhere, but you need a pastor. Absolutely. S- Stephen Furtick ain't coming to the hospital to visit your kid if he's sick. It's not going to happen. Now, unless Stephen Furtick's your pastor and you're a part of his life and his Correct. ministry, um, you know, whatever the TV, T.D. Jakes ain't coming to visit you when you're sick. Well, He's also not going to be a deacon in your church. He's also not going to be an elder in your church. And so I think uh, we've gotten so tied into these these type of pastors. And, and I'm sure they have people in their life they do go visit. And I'm sure they have sure. all those relationships. But they're not going to be with you. When, you. when you have a need, when the scripture talks about bearing one another's burdens. Absolutely. And this is, I'm gonna, I may get off on my tangent here in just a minute. Social media is not going to bear that burden. <laughs> People get so into this fake world, this phony world, where they think, well, I said it on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Okay, just because you say something on Facebook doesn't mean anybody knows it. 
and I and that's a whole another conversation for another day about those kind of things. But the reality is this: you and I were designed for relationship. Yeah, I mean, just looking at all of the stories from the Old Testament through the New Testament, the disciples. Um, you look at all of it. Was community? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus was like, in community like all the time, intentionally, intentionally, like it, different Jesus levels went into house after house, village after village, town after town, wanting community, yeah, wanting relationship, yeah. And I mean, it's it, I just me personally, like when I read the Bible from front to back, that's something that just stands out to me. Yeah, I don't know how you can get away from that. And I, there's never in the Bible, to my knowledge, does it ever talk about isolation? Yeah. Well, you know, and that's something I was reading one time. I was doing a study on the enemy and uh, I was reading um, about how, you know, the scripture that says, I think it's First Peter 5, 8, that talks about him walking as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Correct. Now, I'm, I've, I say this all the time. It's First Peter 5, 8, I believe. It is First um, Peter 5, 8. The, the thing I say all the time is, is I'm just a simple guy, right? And this is what I know. I have never hunted a wildebeest or a Cape Buffalo. I have never walked on the continent of Africa and seen a lion hunting. Okay. But I've watched enough national geographic and discovery channel when I was a kid to know this, they never went to the middle of the herd. Mm Mm-mm. They never went to the strong. They never went to the leader um, of the pack, so to speak, the leader of the herd. But you know what they looked for? They looked for the one that was outside of the main group, who was smaller, who was weaker, who didn't have, uh, maybe for whatever reason, wasn't up with the herd, up with the pack. And those lions would find the one who was outcast, who was all alone and they would do exactly what the scripture said there. They would devour him. And I think the enemy, our, our enemy is no different. Our enemy, the devil is looking for people whom he may devour. Well, when does the devil attack you? When you're alone. Absolutely. And I know we can't be in community 24 hours a day. We have to have a long time. Jesus set aside time to go be alone. Um, we should have a long time and downtime where it's just us and our family. And I, I'm not saying you got to be at church because I think there's some real church burnout we can talk about later. But but I think the reality is this. Some of the people that have the biggest struggles and hardships in their life don't realize that the lack of fellowship in the body of Christ has given the enemy an open door. And I'm not saying if you don't go to church, you get attacked more. I'm saying it's harder to deal with your trials. Yeah. You need the body of Christ to pray with you, to walk with you, to encourage you, to yeah, you, pray together. Absolutely. You read it where two or three are gathered together, there I, there am I in the midst. Yes. Yes. Um, and then the Bible, you can go on in, um, I believe it's Hebrews. I could be wrong on this. You may need to help me out with this. But um, for when you pray for one another. Yeah. As you pray for one another, you will be healed. Yeah, James. It's James. That's yeah. what it is. James. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, as you, because the fervent, the effectual yeah. fervent prayer of a righteous man mm-hmm. availeth much. Mm-hmm. But it, I mean, I, I was blown away by it when I was studying that a couple months ago is that 
when you pray for one another. It's not mm-hmm. when somebody prays for you that you'll be healed. Right. As you pray for somebody else, sure. the Lord will begin to work on the things that you need healed in it because it shows the, the importance of those relationships and that community and the fellowship within the body of Christ and bearing one another's burdens and, and being in tune with the Holy Spirit and working all these things. Mm-hmm. And, man, you, you think about all of this, like this is all what a marriage is. Mm-hmm. This is all what exactly what Christ is wanting when we have a relationship mm-hmm. with Him. Mm-hmm. Well, I always think about it like this, too. I mean, like, um, everyone has a circle, right? Correct. I mean, we, we have, you know, a few hundred people that come to church here, and, and, and so that's one circle. Then we have a community at large. That's another circle, right? Then you have... Maybe you got 10, maybe you got eight, maybe you got seven, maybe you got 14, maybe, I don't know what the number is, but you have a, a, a prayer circle or a friend circle, right? And then you're going to have one or two or three people that are just closer to you than anybody. Um, and if you look at Jesus's life as the model, you can see when he fed the thousands, right? 5,000, 4,000, and then plus women and children, right? Like that was a form of a circle. Mm-hmm. When he gave the Sermon on the Mount, it was a form of a circle. But if you remember then later in the scripture, um, that starts winnowing down, right? Um, and then eventually it gets all the way down to these 12. Well, then if you get to the point where um, where he's, he's at the 12, what happens? Even at the Last Supper, as he goes out to the garden, that goes down even smaller. Correct. And now he tells them all, you know, in that, even in that same... Uh, conversation by the way none of you were fixing to be here for me you know Peter's like well I'll die for you well Peter always running his mouth and so Peter (laughs) Peter obviously then denies him right circle got real small right there's, it's funny, the closer you get to the cross, the smaller your circle's going to get. Oh, man, but, I've had that. I've talked about that's, that for But years. that's another conversation that's another for another com- day. Oh, man, yes. But, but the reality is, Jesus had different measures of different circles. And those all circles... All of them were different influences. And they all had different roles. Absolutely. Some of them he fed. Some of them he went in their houses and prayed for healing. Some of them he stood in the city streets and they brought all who were demon possessed, right? But some of them he walked with on the water. Absolutely. Some of them uh, he stood with as he was being arrested. Some of them, as he was praying so hard that blood was coming out of his forehead, were were just a stone's throw away from him, right? And I I think that's what we lack. People wonder why they're not happy, but they're looking for those circles in a non-spiritual way. Mm-hmm. They're looking for it in the PTO, and they're looking for it in ball, and they're looking at, and listen, all those things have a place. Sure. My kids love ball. My kids love the band or the cheerleader or whatever. Those are all great, but I'm not looking for my spiritual well-being. Correct. I'm not looking for my spiritual well-being in, in the high school. I praise God for the high school and the things that they're able to do or afford my kids. And, and I thank God for the community that the PTO or whatever, whoever can feed the teachers and bless them. Those are all good things, man. Those are all great things. But when I'm in a crisis, I don't need great things. I need God things. Yeah. I need people that will break through the roof and get me in the presence of Jesus. I need people who will fight for me and my family. And in just my experience, these pseudo things, I mean, 
Here, get your toes out. I'll step on them. Travel ball. Okay, travel ball was never meant to be church. And I'm just telling you, as somebody that's raising kids and watching it, I've watched what I know as travel ball destroy homes. Absolutely. Well, baseball's not a bad thing. Softball's not a bad thing, right? But when it becomes the measuring stick of our life and we're pouring thousands of dollars down the tube to go play a sport, all the while leaving behind our spiritual relationships, our godly relationships, and leaving behind the things uh, that God says to make important, you know, it may start out, well, we'll do a devotion on Sunday mornings. Well, come see me in a year and let me know how many of those devotions we did or we made, right? Because, yeah, you may have the best coach in the world that every Sunday morning does a devotion. But on Tuesday night, when your grandma dies and you're bankrupt because you've poured thousands of dollars into this, are you going to call the travel ball coach and he's just going to forgive that money? Not a chance. I mean, I mean, where, where does it end? And, and I'm not against ball. You know me, dude. I, I, I use that as an example because I've seen people go down that road. And the, and the, the road could be fishing, right? The road could be yeah. deer hunting. The road could be golf. It could be hobbies. It could be uh, lake houses. It could be all of these things. And, and, and they all have this one thing in common is replacing relationship and devotion. Yeah. And the problem isn't the lake house. The problem isn't the golf. The problem isn't no nope. travel ball. Nope. It's not the travel ball coach. The problem is not even money at the end of the day. The trouble that people run into is devotion. Keep the first things first. Yeah. Keep the first relationship first. And uh, I would just encourage anybody that hears this to examine all of our lives. I have to do this on like a weekly basis. I don't know. You guys may not have to. Every week, at some point in my week, I'm sitting down and looking at my priorities. Absolutely. Whether it's my scripture study or whether it's services or whether it's what's going on in the church or whether it's what's going on in my private life, whether it's what's going on in my communal life, whether it's what's going on. And, and maybe you guys can go months without that. But I, I kind of every week have to say, okay, this is my first priority. This is what I need to accomplish. This is what I would like to accomplish. I mean, there's things I would like to do, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some Wednesday nights I'd be like, I'm just sit on the couch, man. I'm tired. I know, that's, I know that's like not cool to say or whatever as a pastor. I don't think that's an ungodly thought. I think we're, we are a tired society. We, we exhaust ourselves. Well, but it's a, to on, me, it's more important to be here. Correct. And on the flip side of things... Um, You know, you're absolutely right in all of those. But on the flip side of the things, we can get a wrong perspective by saying that if the doors are open to the church, you have to be there. understand. Yeah. Because that that becomes the religious side of things. Then people ain't happy either. You're exactly right. Is because... You're, you're you're making expectations <laughs> for people. <laughs> hey, we're being real on here. They're cranky. They are, and so a lot of times. you're making expectations for people um, that aren't necessarily biblical. Yeah, like it's just it's something that I've had to work through and learn in my own life. And um, I I was raised in a home that when the doors were open, we were at church. Yeah, and since then. My parents have have learned and come to understand that was that's you know what sometimes we need rest even yeah. as as the leaders of, of sure. the church and and you know it's we don't 
need to carry a checkbook around to show that, like, hey, look at all these checkbooks yeah. on Sunday mornings that yeah. I was at church and Wednesday yeah. nights that I was at church. I've been and, at 51 and, services and this year. Thursday, Friday, Saturday yeah. that you, the, that uh, the revival was yeah. was happening in and I was there. See, look, look, look. But there's, there's an exhausting side um, to that measure as well. And so yeah. there's a balance that has to be had. Well, and, yeah. and, but, but the, but the fact is that going back to what you said earlier is where's your heart and yeah. where are your priorities? And, um, for those that say, well, I don't need church and I can do this at home. Probably not entirely yeah. true. No. And for those that say, well, church is every time the doors are open, you have to be there, have to be there, have to be there. Probably not entirely true either, mm-hmm. and so there, there's mm-hmm. there's happy mediums in in our heart in in this conversation is is not to necessarily condone or con, convict you for if you're on one or one side or the yeah. other, but it's it's simply for us to help you be aware that you need the body of Christ, you need relationship and community with Jesus, yeah. and you need time to rest. Well, rest is worship, right? Like, like, like rest in its truest sense was created by God for an example unto us. And this is one thing we don't, we could do a whole lesson on this because we are awful at this. Even you and I personally, this is something I have a goal for us to get better at. We, by nature and the position we are in, are on call 24-7. Always focused on something. And, and as well. there's never, I don't know about you, but my mind never turns off. Um, I have to fight to rest. Oh, that and, is. And even if I, I rest, I told my, my wife body, this week, I was like, I need to start taking Benadryl just so I can sleep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so I think it's one of those things that, like, we need to realize that sometimes rest is worship. Absolutely. Right? It's not a sin. It's not a sin to go with your family away and rest. It's not a sin to go with your family and go to the lake. It's not a sin to go with your family and go on a vacation. It's not a sin to go out and because you work till um, six, seven o'clock at night and revival down the road or revival here starts at seven and you didn't make revival because you had to cook your pork and beans or whatever it is you eat. It's not a sin. No. But that's where the... You know, we mess up good things, right? Like God sets things in order and then us as men, we tend to get involved in them and just, you know, butcher them a little bit. And I think that's one thing that, that I have learned over the years is um, I don't make every service. Sometimes I'll take a couple weeks off throughout the year and sometimes I'll take a, a Sunday off and go do this with my family just to breathe, right? Sure. Um, sometimes I go to other churches um, just to be fed, just to sit and be fed. And I think that's all healthy. Absolutely. I think it's all it super is. healthy, and I think we need to do all those things. But but to what you said, what's first, right? Like, yeah. the question becomes, um, to the rela- relationship you were talking about with your wife, is if your wife has to question if you are, the problem is probably not your wife. Correct. You know? And so if Jesus... You know, he's so kind to us, right? Absolutely. He's so gracious to us. And and I read in the Revelation, I, I just, I read so many things about the future of the church that I get excited. But just like last night, I I didn't preach. I think I gave 
two different portions of scripture that I read and, and maybe said less than, you know, two minutes of talking each time I read one, but I was watching those kids worship and I was crying. I was sitting back behind them, just crying, watching the, the young kids worship. Well, to me, whether it's the kids singing, whether it's preaching the gospel, whether it's our worship team singing, whether it's communion, whether it's all those things, those are things I want to be a part of. Yeah. Even when I'm mad, even when I'm hurt, even when I'm sad, even when someone in the church made me mad or said something stupid, or even when somebody has done something I wish they wouldn't have, or even if there's trouble um, with this, or even if there's a, a project not getting done, or even all those things, even if there's a, a ball game that I really want to watch later, or maybe there's a ball game my kids are playing in that I'm thinking about, all of those things, all of those things are human realities. Mm-hmm. But with all of those going on, they all point me to how bad and how desperate I need Jesus. Absolutely. And I think that's where we don't understand worship. Sometimes we think if we don't feel something that God's not moving. Correct. Or God's yeah. not honored. Yeah. Can you worship God when you don't feel like it? Absolutely. I believe you can. Absolutely. And I'm not making that into a religious statement of can you show up to church when you don't feel like it. That's what I'm saying. Can you come, though? And be a part. Well, I heard a, a sermon by somebody um, a couple weeks ago, maybe even a couple months ago now, that really changed the way I, I view things and think about things. And uh, he was just being real with his, his congregation and what he was saying. He was just like, you know, we have such a consumerism mentality that when we read the scriptures, we expect to get something out of it. And when we sing a worship song, we expect to get something out of it. And when we're in a prayer service, we expect our prayers to be answered. But the fact and the reality is, is that even if the Lord chooses not to do any of those things, what he has done through his son, Jesus on the cross is still worthy of our worship. Yeah. And just that simplistic thought that he expressed in a much better way than I can express sure. it to you all that are listening today, but I want you to really think about that. That the next time that you read your scripture, even if you don't get what I would consider a Holy Spirit nugget dropped in your lap, what you're reading and what God has done from front to cover, from front to cover, from yeah. front to back. Yeah of this book and what he has done in your life to the point that you are is still worthy of the worship that we have to offer him. Well, and I think that's exactly right. I mean, that's, that's the, that's the whole key right there because, um, we're not always going to feel there's probably people turned off by what I said. I don't feel like having a church service every Wednesday night. I don't feel like preaching every Wednesday night. Now, once I get up there and I've prepared and I get into it, I really enjoy preaching and presenting the gospel. But Zach's feelings are not always on Wednesdays because they tend to be wacky Wednesdays is what we call them. They, I don't always just feel like, you know what, I just can't wait. Yeah. But what happens? We get in the room. Somebody says, Zach, my grandma's sick. And, and we start with prayer requests on Wednesdays in the adult class. And within five or ten minutes... Now we've got a list of these 10 or 12. Guess what happens? My feelings have shifted. Sure. My feelings have now gone to, 
this person in the body has a real need. Correct. Or they may not even know. Sometimes they say, my coworker lost their grandma. Well, I don't know their coworker, but I know to them it's important. Absolutely. And we're going to petition the throne. Well, what happened? My feelings changed. Yeah. Why did my feelings change? Because I got out of my feelings and focused on God. And you were in fellowship and with community one another. with one another. Right. And, and we, we, we say all of that and talk about all of this today to just show the importance of exactly what Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 is saying. Yeah. Is the importance of communing with one another, the importance of having those relationships with 100%. one another. And, uh, and you're absolutely right. Sometimes it's not where we want to be. No. Sometimes it, it's not going to feel good. Right. But in those moments of where we put ourselves in those positions to allow God to speak to us and to use mm-hmm. other people to love on us and mm-hmm. to encourage us and to mm-hmm. equip us because we are present you know, yeah. it's almost like somebody needs to write a book on on being there. Yeah, um, yeah. you know, somebody should write one. Somebody should. But the, that that is the importance of of this whole conversation today is the importance of why you need the body of Christ. And so we we pray that hopefully you you were encouraged by something today and and um, just understood the importance of our hearts of. Being a part mm-hmm. of a body that is important to be able to be loved on, to be prayed for, to be encouraged. Um, and so we, we thank you guys for tuning in today um, and supporting this podcast. Stay tuned for more episodes on the Pastor's Porch. Thanks for listening to the Pastor's Porch. If you don't have a church home, come join us at Unity Covenant Church in West Fork, Arkansas. We would love to have you. Thank you for your continual support to this podcast. Please stay tuned for more episodes. Have a great day and God bless.